Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Today, this week, this month is not working out how I had intended, but never mind, we're still here and everything is fine. If we keep saying it's fine, it will be fine. Slight issue in the Christmas card department. I know it's not Christmas, I know we're in April now, but I had this uh, theory this time around when it was Christmas that instead of just sending out all the Christmas cards that I normally do, I was only going to send them if I had a Christmas card from somebody. It wasn't that I was being mean. I just think I was I was oversupplying Christmas cards to the world. And, you know, you get to that point where you can't remember who sent you a card. So should you send one next time? So it's just like, right, simple. Obviously, I will send one to nearest and dearest. But then I will wait. And if I get a Christmas card from someone, lovely. I will send one to them. And that did seem to work quite well, although I was quite surprised that we hadn't had, you know, a gazillion Christmas cards, but that's fine. And then yesterday I was uh, going in the bottom. We've got these stools in the lounge, like storage stools. So, you know, you start off, everything's really neat and organised and then (laughs) to go and find basically a brush for the dog. Don't ask. Long story, you don't need to know that. But I had to go and find it. So I was in the bottom of these stools looking for it and came across a selection. Well, I should have said, actually, to go back. My husband had said, I've put the Christmas cards in the stool. That's fine. After Christmas, no problem. What I didn't know was that he'd put them in the stool before Christmas and included in that unopened cards. (laughs) So when I went in for the dog brush, I discovered, I don't know, 10, 12 Christmas cards still unopened, still in their envelopes from people who had sent cards to us. And I hadn't sent one in response because I didn't know that's where they were. Uh, And it's definitely, this isn't a blame the husband, definitely not. I misunderstood what he had said to me. I was just mortified that these people would be sitting there saying, well... Well, she's not uh, sent us a Christmas card, so she's off the Christmas card list. So my cunning plan backfired, backfired big time. And uh, and that's where we are. So uh, hopefully they'll have forgotten. But anyway, I'm waffling. You know me. It was just another thing. I just thought, well, there we go. Merry, uh, merry April to everybody. But anyway, I've got some really good books to talk to you about today. 
You know me, there's five books, a variety, I think we could say. And the first book I'm going to talk to you about today is called Anything Could Happen by Lucy Diamond. And Lucy's coming on to talk to us about the book. So that's exciting. Then I'm going to talk to you about Still Life by Sarah Winman. I'm going to talk to you about a children's book, beautiful book. I'm giving the game away, but it is uh, called We Sang Across the Sea, The Empire, Windrush and Me. And that's written by Benjamin Zephania and it's illustrated by Onyinyi Iwu. Um, so those are the first three books. Then, oh, let me get my other books. <laughs> Sorry, disorganised. Then we've got um, Skin, written by Liam Brown and The Choice by Claire Wade. Some great books. Um, well, I better get started. So as I mentioned, the first book is Anything Could Happen by Lucy Diamond. Um, let me read you the blurb for this book. For Lara and her daughter Eliza, it has always been just the two of them. But when Eliza turns 18 and wants to connect with her father, Lara is forced to admit a secret that she's been keeping from her daughter her whole life. Eliza needs answers and so does Lara. Their journey to the truth will take them on a road trip across England and eventually to New York, where it all began. Dreams might have been broken and opportunities missed, but there are still some surprises in store. And let's go to the first sentence. And the first sentence, oh, do I do the prologue or do I do chapter one? I'm going to do chapter one. Eliza was sitting on the wall, the hedge behind her prickling through her jacket, when a grubby white van slowed to a stop nearby, right on time. Um, it's a, you know, it's a lovely story. I I like the relationship between Lara and Eliza um, and the sort of obstacles they met and how they tried to overcome them. Yeah, I thought it was just, it's nice. It's like a comfort blanket that you put on, but there's lots of emotion to experience along the way on the journey. Anyway, enough of me. Let's talk to Lucy now. So Lucy Diamond, whose latest book is Anything Could Happen. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you here. Now, you have written a lot of books, but the first obvious question, why this one and why now? I wrote this one. Um, it was all written during lockdown, one lockdown or another, and it was absolutely lovely to write a book where characters had some agency and where it did feel like things could happen when in real life nothing was happening. Um, plus, obviously, during lockdown, we couldn't go anywhere. Um, so at the heart of the book, there's a road trip. And I loved writing about characters traveling and sort of making impulsive decisions to hit the road and, you know, find out some answers. So so all of those things came into it, really. Plus, it's it's quite a joyful, uplifting book, I hope. And I, I just wanted to escape all the doom and gloom of COVID and write something that would make people smile. And did it help you escape? Did it form a, a safe place to go to in those times? It really did. It was lovely to escape into my characters' worlds. And, you know, when I um, start writing a book, I always think about the location because often I will go there myself and, you know, research it and stay somewhere really nice and sort of walk the streets where my characters walk. And with this one, I thought, well, you know, I'll start writing it and I'll set it in some great locations. So when when this pandemic is over and, you know, like 12 weeks or something, I can go off to all these places and, you know, have a lovely time. So I set it in, it's set across Scarborough, um, Cambridge, Edinburgh and New York as well. So ideally I would have gone to all of those places and revisited and, you know, done some research, but 
sadly. <laughs> that was not to be. But it was really lovely to visit those places, you know, through Street View and just researching where the characters would go, where they might go for a night out, where they might eat, things they would see and do. So it was a little bit of a holiday from real life. Not as good as a real holiday, but but it was it, you know, it broke up the the day-to-day lockdown weirdness. Yes. And and what a weirdness that that was yeah it was it always going to be called that was that always the title from the beginning no the type my working title was the reunion throughout um my agent actually came up with the title she was saying you know i just love the feeling that anything could happen and then she sort of stopped and went oh that's a good title isn't it and we both sort of seized upon it and thought oh yeah that's that's great that feeling of openness and possibility and you know who knows which way things will go how do you choose which book to write next? Do, are you very set in which which book you're going to write or does it depend on circumstances and, like you said, lockdown for this one? It's whatever's really calling to me at the time. That sounds a bit pretentious, but, you know, whichever idea is sort of really nagging away at me, that's what, that's what I choose. I have a folder full of loads of snippets of little what-ifs that, you know, whenever something occurs to me, like, oh, gosh, how would I feel if that happened to me or... You know, I might see a news story or a friend might tell me something and I'll immediately run it through my fictional filter of like, oh, how would that work as a book? You know, and I jot these things down. And then when I when I finish a book, um, I open up the folder and I think, well, what's in here? And, you know, there's so many little ideas. I might put a couple together or I th- I think, oh, God, this this would be really interesting. So it really it's whatever grabs me most at the time so that's a very valuable folder that you have uh, with all these potential ideas (laughs) it is it is it's a really good habit if you if you want to be a writer yourself to just keep making little notes to yourself you know if you have a strange dream or something comes to you or you're watching a tv program and you know you think gosh how would I react in those circumstances all those little triggers that can start a story for me so yeah, there's loads of notes on my phone as well or, you know, written down on the back of an envelope. <laughs> you know, that I collect them all up together and then every year or so when I'm starting a new book, I think, OK, what, what's next? Yes, what gems do you, do you get out? So is it primarily the, the storyline, the plot that comes first and then you phase the characters in as another layer on that or do sometimes the characters come first to you it really depends each book to be honest um with anything could happen I love the idea of a mother and daughter road trip I've got two daughters myself and there's something really special about that relationship I think where especially you know Eliza the daughter is 18 in this and there's that really sort of lovely but difficult tension between a mother and daughter I think when a daughter is on the verge of adulthood and about to leave and how things really change between them so I wanted to explore that and I thought a road trip is a great place to you know (laughs) put them together in a a moving vehicle and force them to have some (laughs) difficult conversations and then I thought why why would they be on a road trip so that's really how the story unfolded and I thought oh gosh they're going to meet Eliza's dad oh gosh why why doesn't she know him so it was really sort of backtracking um and fitting it together that way oh that's interesting so even when a character comes to you they're not fully they're not sort of just ta-da here I am and this is my backstory it it does emerge it really varies sometimes characters appear and I I've heard other authors saying this before and I always thought 
yeah, that's a bit pretentious, you know, like, oh, she just walked in fully formed. And I've always thought, well, why don't why do my characters ever do that? But I have had a couple of times where there's a book called Summer at Shell Cottage, I wrote, where um, this character, she appears, this like absolute force of nature woman. She just appeared in the story and I thought, oh, my God, this is happening. This is, you know, it's happened to me at last. <laughs> yes. where I've had a character walk in and change everything. But um, I usually get to know my characters over the book. And by the time I get to the end of a first draft, it's then that I think, oh, I can go back to the beginning and think, oh, no, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't say it like that. I or yes. I can then sort of like rework it once I've really got to know a character. And do some of those characters, they're quite strong, like Lara as well. Do they stay with you afterwards when you've typed the end? Are they sort of nagging away in, in your head or are you able to ignore them? I've written so many books now. This is my 17th book, mm. so there's a lot of characters. <laughs> there's a lot of but talking do they in do, your head. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, somebody emailed the other day saying, oh, I love this book and, you know, this character in particular. And I thought, God, I can't even remember who she's talking about. But... Um, <laughs> With this book, yeah, by the time I've finished a book, the characters are so real to me. I feel I could put them in any situation and I know how they would react and what they would do. And it's it's really tempting to want to take them on another story, you know, to come back and revisit them and, you know, write another book about them because they're so real to me by then. But, um, yeah, it's quite hard to close the door. They do stick around in my head for quite a while. And actually... You know, obviously I'm working on another book at the moment and I did have to come back and refresh my memory of anything could happen because I'm so immersed in my new characters and the new story. So it's, it's like coming back to see old friends, actually, when I go back to, to, to meet my old characters again. I would find that really hard if I, you know, fi finished a book. You, you might have written it 12 months ago, even 24 months ago, and then it's being published and you're working on another book and you might be thinking about, about the plans for another book as well. That must be incredibly hard to be able to remember everything. It is, it is. But the good thing is, because I ended up knowing the characters really well, particularly in this book, it's it's really nice to go back and revisit them. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, like friends, I, I suppose. I'm interested in the issue of dealing with emotions and how important it is you feel to cover a range of different emotions in the book from, you know, the perhaps the sad times and, and the funny times and the happy times. You, you know, do you feel almost obliged to cover a full spectrum? I do, and I think that's realistic as well. I, I want a reader to read one of my books and think, yes, I would have felt that way too, you know, you know because life is... Is, is happy and sad, isn't it? There's, there's such a mix of everything. I really want to get that across that nobody has a perfect, happy life. It's just not possible. We all have these like bittersweet moments or regrets or unfortunate things happen to us that make us who we are. So I try to tackle all of those things and I try to examine all the relationships across a book, character to character. So, for instance, in anything could happen there's there's the characters you know Liza meets her real dad Ben and she's had all these preconceptions about how it's going to be to have a dad likewise he's he's always wanted a child and now he's got this grown-up daughter that he had no idea about and I really enjoyed sort of examining their preconceptions about one another and then 
actually once they get stuck into having a a father-daughter relationship how that changes and they find it not quite as easy as they think so it's not a case of like oh great I've got a dad now I'm really happy it's like oh I've got a dad oh what's this what's he expecting of me how do I feel about that oh is he the dad I wanted how can I make this work you know so I think it's really interesting to me to unpack all the different emotions a character might have that vary through the book, you know, as the story takes its course. So it's not that you've got a big spreadsheet and, you know, you tick, have I included some humour? <laughs> tick. Have I included, you know, some heartbreak? Tick. It's just, it's it's what comes naturally. And as you say, it's sort of, it's real life. Yes, I think it is real life. And I, I do always try to have some humour in, um, even throughout the sad times, because I think, we as humans are really good at that sort of black comedy even in the dark times we cope with it by making a joke or sort of like you know <laughs> making some crack or other that will just lift everybody's spirits a bit so um I think that's I never want to write anything that's too sort of po-faced and serious that I'll, I just don't think I could write like that <laughs> so there's always going to be a bit of humor and a bit of warmth um along with any sadness too and you like to bring out some surprises as well in the story you like to you know some oh I wasn't expecting that is again is that a reflection of real life or is that something that you like to do a part of the journey for your reader I think it makes it more interesting for the reader if they never quite know where the story's going. So there are quite a few twists and turns and anything could happen. You might think, oh, I think I know where this story's going and then hopefully be confounded by what does actually happen next, which, you know, I love books that do that to you too, that sort of twist and turn and keep you guessing. Um, And with this book, actually, the whole way through, I had a completely different ending planned so I didn't know where it was going to go myself, which helps. I'm not a... Some authors are just amazing in the way they can plot everything out before they start. But my books are always a little bit more organic in that I don't know what's going to happen. So I, I sort of feel my way through a story. And with this book, I had, you know, a completely different ending planned. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone by saying what it was, but I got to really the last chapters and I was all set to pull off this different ending and I thought oh gosh I can't I don't think I can do it I think if I write this ending readers are going to be absolutely livid (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it to them so so then I had to change my mind and rethink I think no what is the most satisfying way to end this book you know which is what I hope I've done but um yeah the twists and turns were real for me as well (laughs) Keeps me guessing. So you got the surprises as well. That's great. That shows how fresh it is. Um, I, I suppose I have to ask the question, and I don't want to cause any offence by it. It's what title do you like your books to be referred to as? Because um, I've said on previous episodes, you know, originally it was you'd call something chiclet, then emotion, uh, um, emotional fiction, then women's fiction, then uplit, then contemporary fiction what are you comfortable with it being described as I it's, it's so reductive isn't it I hate things like chiclet that term I find it really reductive and patronizing mm. I just call it commercial fiction mm. I, I, <laughs> or bestseller yeah. bestseller oh, yes. sounds nice doesn't it <laughs> yeah number one we'll have that yes <laughs> 
Good answer. Commercial, contemporary fiction. I mean, even saying women's fiction, you know, because I do get lots of men who read exactly. muggles. So I don't want them to feel, you know, I'm excluding them. I mean, it's life, I'd say. If I just say yeah. books about life rather than, than anything they else. They are. They're but... sort of relationship dramas, family dramas. Yeah. Yeah. And bestsellers. Yes, that's... that's... Bestsellers, yeah. <laughs> so what <laughs> mo- motivates you to write these stories and to write? Is it Has writing just been in you from the year dot and it's just something you have to do? I've always really enjoyed writing as a as a way of sort of um, trying to unpack feelings onto a page. But, you know, I never really thought that I could do it as a job. You know, I, I growing up, I never knew anyone who was a writer. I didn't know anyone working in that sort of industry. I was, I was coming at it as a reader who also loved writing, really. And then it was when I left university and got a first job I was working in publishing so I got a really good sort of behind the scenes look at how everything works and I started to think god it must be really nice to be an author because <laughs> we're always so nice to them <laughs> and um and I started to think you know we'd get I, my, part of my job was going through the slush pile and reading manuscripts that people had sent in and thinking you know please can you publish my book and I'd read them and I'd think god these are not very good actually and and I met lots of authors and I sort of thought gosh you know you don't have to live in an ivory tower to be an author actually authors come from all walks of life you can be you know really ordinary person like me and and make a career out of it so that actually gave me a bit of confidence and that made me think oh maybe I'll you know have a go too and that's where I started off Oh, that's wonderful. So can you write anywhere or do you have your special writing desk and your special chair? I do have an office in the house. Um, and in fact, when lockdown started, everyone kept saying to me, oh, well, it's all right for you. You can work from home. You're used to this. But actually, it made me realise that I really need the outside world. That's really important to me to be out engaging with friends and just being out in the world and meeting people and hearing stories and noticing things all those things really feed into to writing so even though yeah I do have a desk and a chair in my house and I can write I'm not one of those people who write in cafes or anything like that I'd get too distracted I'm too nosy I think but yeah you know it's a very portable job you can just take your laptop with you and you know work in a, a hotel or on a train or something but there's nothing like sitting eavesdropping on a conversation and just thinking oh that is a great character or or that's a really good turn of phrase or all those things I hadn't quite realized how much all of that feeds into my writing or just being out with friends and like you know hearing funny stories Mm. or although I have to say lots of my friends will tell me a story and then say don't put that in a book <laughs> do you have to say oh please can or, i but i'll change all the details uh, so good so maybe i should do that rather than just let them say don't put that in <laughs> i have actually i did actually put a story that a friend told me into a book and i sort of forgot she told me this story it was about how she met her husband and he actually saved no she saved his life that's right he was in a pool and he'd become unconscious and she dived in and saved him and then I thought, this is amazing. And I put it in a, in a book of mine and she read the book and was like, hey, that was my story. I felt really bad. So I do try not to um, steal quite so, so <laughs> blatantly yeah. now. I do try and disguise it a bit, yeah. <laughs> so how did you get your lucky break then? You, you you spoke about how you you know got immersed in the world of publishing and writing, but how did that 
book one happen? I started off writing children's books. I was working in children's publishing and I got a real feel for what made a good cliffhanger and, you know, all sorts of things. So I got a really good feel for the market and I wrote a couple of teenage books. Um, But because I worked in publishing myself, I didn't want anyone to think, oh, right, you just got book published because you worked there. So I did it all very cloak and dagger and sent it off under a false name and everything. And then when... So I had some um, teenage books and some sort of short chapter books published under my real name, which is Sue, not Lucy. (laughs) And then um, when I had my first two children I had them really close together and we moved out of London and moved to Brighton and I didn't really know anyone I was sort of suddenly this housewife and mother of like a one-year-old and a baby and life had really really changed and I took an evening class just just to use my brain for something other than puree and food and you know all the rest of it there was an evening class at the university which was write a novel in two years um, so I started going to that and I, oh, it was just great. I started writing um, about my experiences, how I was finding motherhood, you know, the absolute joys, but just the drudgery and how hard I found it, you know, and how lonely it could be sometimes. Um, so I poured all of that into um, this writing class. It was just like one evening a week, two hours a week. It was so brilliant. And I just really got into writing this book and managed to finish it within sort of six six months I think um and yeah which was lucky I'd finished it because I couldn't afford to pay for the second year of the course actually (laughs) so having worked having worked in publishing I knew the thing to do was to get an agent to represent you so then I I found an agent and you know I, I managed to sell the book so it was it was brilliant it was it it was yeah a really wonderful turn of events to be honest worked out really well and so you got the agent and then did you get the publishing contract straight on the back of that I did pretty much and at the time we were quite skint you know I had a third baby I should have had my third baby then and me and my husband had agreed we'd split the working week between us he was working three days a week at his job in London so for the other two days of the week I said well I'll try and make a go of writing which is quite a lot of pressure to come up with enough money to pay half the mortgage and bills on my writing and it was just getting to the point I'd sold a few more children's books and I did keep thinking am I just wasting my time writing this novel you know is this just you know pointless should I just go and get a job at Sainsbury's or something instead so I know that I've at least got some money coming in because you know we weren't destitute but we were quite skin so I got this agent and it was all looking good and friends of mine who'd read the novel as I was writing it saying no keep going I'm enjoying it I'd like to read this book keep trying so when I got the agent he he sold it fairly quickly and I he rang me I was in town at the time in Brighton where we lived then and I was in WH Smith's and I remember because I was buying some wrapping paper for um, a friend's son's birthday present and I was thinking oh well he loves spider-man so he'd love this spider-man wrapping paper but you know it's 50p more expensive than plain Mm. wrapping paper you know this is Mm. how it was and I was thinking oh I probably shouldn't spend the extra then I got this phone call saying sold your book to Pam McMillan it's two book deal and 
bought my Spider-Man wrapping paper <laughs> to celebrate. 50 it was, I know, yes. But it really was so life-changing at that moment because I sort of thought, well, this is a bit of a one-shot and if it doesn't work, you know, I'm glad I tried, but I should just get a sensible job because, you know, I've got three small children and, you know, we can't afford for me to be wafting about, you know, trying to be an author. That's amazing. <laughs> but... Oh, it was so good. It was such a brilliant moment. It was like real validation for for all that work. And, you know, you spend a lot of time on your own as an author. You're on your own with your story and your characters. And, of course, there's massive self-doubt throughout. You're like, God, who am I to, you know, do this? I am still get it now where I think, God, this is absolute rubbish. <laughs> Who's going to want to read this? So it was one of those real golden shining moments of joy and, wow, I've I've done it. You know, it's really brilliant that's amazing and i said you'll never forget that when you go back into wh smith do you get flashbacks <laughs> on this <tour>? i do <laughs> yeah i get a little friss on <laughs> so what surprises you you know so many books published since then is there anything that surprises you now about the publishing world i've recently joined a new publisher actually so anything could happen is the first book of mine to be published by quirkus which is um a new publisher to me and actually, that has been a lovely surprise. It's like it's like starting a new job and meeting a whole new team of people. That's been so invigorating, actually, to me and to my career, because especially after this weird pandemic time where you are in a bit of a bubble, to suddenly be in with a whole new group of people has been, has been lovely. So it's really nice to see how they're going about things, too. But there's no... The surprise, I guess, is that most people are lovely... And that I know lots of really supportive, kind, funny, generous authors. You you might think from the outside, oh, it's a bit um, stab in the back, dog eat dog sort of thing. It really, really isn't. Not in my experience anyway. Um, authors are just lovely people to get to know. So that's yeah, been a good surprise. Well, yeah, how interesting to know that publish, you know, one publisher is different to another and it's all mm. uh, time for change and, and new approaches. So, so that's great. So just Sorry. before you go, tell us about this next book. OK, I've just finished an ebook that will be out next year, which is set between Oxford and London. And it revolves around a dysfunctional family whose lives are turned upside down over the space of a year. I'm from a big family myself and I find the dynamics of family relationships and, you know, the layers of secrets and in-jokes and petty rivalries, all those things, endlessly fascinating. So I've really loved doing a deep dive into the Mackenzie family and unearthing all their secrets. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Can't, can't wait for that. Well, Lucy Diamond, whose latest book that we can read at the moment is Anything Could Happen. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Philippa. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's get on to the next book, which is Still Life by Sarah Winman. There's been a lot of talk about this book. A lot of people have been saying it's a beautiful book. And it is. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But let me read you the blurb. Still a very good book. The blurb is this. 1944 Italy. As bombs fall around them, two strangers meet in the ruined wine cellar of a Tuscan villa and share an extraordinary evening. Ulysses Temper is a young British soldier, Evelyn Skinner, a 64-year-old art historian living life on her own terms. She's come to salvage paintings from the wreckage of war and relive memories of her youth when her heart was stolen by an Italian maid in a particular room with a view. Ulysses' chance encounter with Evelyn will transform his life and all those who love him back home in London forever. Uh, let's do first sentence, people, because we have to do that. OK, here we go. Somewhere in the Tuscan hills, two English spinsters, Evelyn Skinner and a Margaret someone, were eating a late lunch on the terrace of a modest house. It was the 2nd of August. A beautiful summer's day. If only you could forget there was a war on. Um, OK, you can't rush this book. You need to really concentrate. It's 430, 440 pages, but it is beautiful. Oh, I've just dropped my piece of paper. Hang on. I really am having a bit of a day today. I won't go into all the details, but anyway. So let's get back to the book. It is a beautiful book, exquisite, but you need to be patient with it. I had it in my mind that it was a book just about these two women sitting in Italy and their relationship at that point in time. It It's much more. It's not a saga that gives entirely the wrong thing. But does it deal with people over a long period of time? Yes, it does. Um, it, it's, it's sort of a gentle journey of people's lives. You've got the time in Italy. You've got these people. It's about their loves, their lives. But it's um, a book that you need to give it time. It's not one just to fly through. Um, I thought it was really good. My problem, interestingly enough, is that I was, well, I don't know if this is interesting for you. I found it interesting. 
is that I was reading it at the time of the uh, invasion in Ukraine. And because of all those war connotations, I was actually finding it quite hard to read, whereas normally that that wouldn't be an issue for me. And I did. I did. Yeah, that was that was something that I found harder to do. Um, So just bear that in mind. But it is an exquisite book. Yeah, very good. The next one is We Sang Across the Sea, The Empire, Windrush and Me. And it's beautifully done. It's it's a poem running throughout the book, which is written so well by Benjamin Zephaniah. And the these illustrations by Onion Yi Iwo, beautiful. It's just a joyful book. It's a short book. Um, how many pages? I don't even know if it says how many pages. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, if you were sitting down with a child, you'd be reading it, I think, very quickly and easily. Um, it's beautiful. It's an uplifting story about Windrush, which surprised me. Um, it educates you about the sacrifices people made, the challenges they faced. Um, but it's it just delivers it in such a vibrant way you know if if you're a parent if you're a grandparent if you know someone who's got children and they're saying oh what book next this this book next please it just gets you talking about um the wind rush and as i say the sacrifices that people made and what their expectations were coming over here but it's just done in a really positive uplifting joyful way i would say um it was so much more than i expected it to be and you can't help but read the words and look at the illustrations and just learn and smile and love i would say so th- those are those are the first three books. Now we come on to the last two. And uh, let's just say we're going dystopian, people. OK, um, and I don't know why I like to read dystopian books on a Kindle, but there we go. Let's not even enter that world of strangeness for Philippa. But these were both great books. So Skin is written by Liam Brown. And this is the blurb. A strange virus is sweeping the globe. Humans have become allergic to one another. Simply standing next to somebody could be a death sentence. A kiss could be fatal. Angela is a woman trying to get by in this bewildering new world. Though she still lives with her husband and children, they lead separate lives. Confined to their rooms, they communicate via their computers and their phones. In some ways, very little has changed. That is, until she spots a mysterious stranger walking through town without even a face mask for protection. A man, it seems, immune to this disease. A man unlike anyone else she knows. A man it might just be safe to touch. Right, let's go for first sentences. Well, the first sentence is one word, citizens. I'll read the next one. Citizens, following the recent spell of disruption, we can confirm a large-scale relief effort is now in progress. Now, okay. If you can't bear to read anything that mentions the word, you know, virus, um, pandemics, then this might not be a book for you. But it didn't it didn't make me think, oh, this is a covid book at all because the circumstances are so different. And I liked how it sort of immersed you in the story straight away. And yet it kept giving you pieces of how uh, this lady and her family came to be as they are. 
and the sort of the circumstances around their life. I just thought it was really interesting. It was well written. It gripped me. I wanted to know what would happen in the end. Um, would I read more of Liam Brown's books? Absolutely. Was I glad I'd read it? Yes, definitely. I thought it was really excellent. Um, yeah, I can't say any more about that. If what I've said about it has piqued your interest, then definitely give it a go. I thought it was really, really good. And the, the last one is another really, really good dystopian one. I didn't think I would enjoy reading this, as in I thought it was going to make me very uncomfortable. Um, because you know me, I like a bit of chocolate. So listen to this. This is The Choice by Claire Wade. And this is the blurb. Imagine a world where everything you ate was monitored by the government. Every step you took was counted. Your children were weighed every day at school. Neighbours reported on neighbours and no one was safe from judgment. Sugar was illegal and baking was a crime. Imagine if that world was here. What would you do? Toe the line or fight for your freedom? <laughs> OK, this is the first few sentences. It was impossible to ignore the shame box. The large, transparent cube squatted on the tarmac to one side of the supermarket entrance. This morning, it was occupied. This is another one of these dystopian books where you think, yeah, well, thank goodness we're not there. But it doesn't take a huge imagination to see how things could change. And... Um, Oh, it, it it was a shocking book. It was a gripping book. I do think I'm going through a bit of a dystopian phase, but I love this book. Um, again, I read it on the Kindle. It kept me gripped. I wanted to find out what happened. It was sort of believable. It was horrific. There was a bit, it wasn't Handmaid's Tailist, but there was a bit more government control in this one than in Skin. Um, but still, really, really good book. I enjoyed these very much. I need to go and find some more to read because I thought they were really, really well written, both of them. Bravo. So that's a lot. Let's just do a quick recap. So we've had Anything Could Happen by Lucy Diamond and Lucy very kindly came on to talk to us. We've had um, Still Life by Sarah Winman. We've had We Sang Across the Sea, The Empire Win Russian Me by Benjamin Zephania and illustrated by Onyinyi Iwu. We've had Skin by Liam Brown and The Choice by Claire Wade. That's your lot. Now, next week, there's going to be a bit of a change, possibly, if I get my act together. So, yes, we'll have the author interview and book reviews, but also there might be another element. So, it's all very exciting. I know you won't be able to sleep for the whole week uh, thinking in excitement what it could be. But anyway, <laughs> the clue is it's not that exciting, but it's just something a bit different. Anyway, just take care. Check your storage stools for unopened Christmas cards and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one ever. See you again soon. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.